Well, I'm going to, I'm going to indulge and give them two pieces of advice. The, the, the first is um, as annoying and unnecessary as it may seem. And as, and, and as, you know, it is expensive as it might be, or, or it's money you think you shouldn't need to spend, please get your corporate documents and your IP and all of that stuff buttoned up your partnership agreement, your buy, sell, all of the, all of the corporate stuff, um, really in, in a good place before the business takes off and starts growing because, uh, the better you do, the harder it can get to unwind some of those mistakes and or uh, mm. put the genie back in the box um, in terms of relationships between partners or, uh, or family members or, or what have you. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, uh, Brett Story. And uh, Brett started his uh, journey uh, being interested in politics uh, in high school, um, got a, or went off to college, got a degree in uh, poli-sci, and then went off and got a law degree, uh, Worked as, uh, went to work in uh, doing trial work and litigation, and then transitioned over to a corporate practice, uh, moved back to uh, Denver, went to a large law firm, and then a small law firm doing some more uh, corporate law work um, at the small law firm, uh, helped uh, small family businesses. Um, wanted to uh, move from being a lawyer to being uh, more in investment banking. So founded an investment uh, banking firm with a couple other founders and uh, has been helping uh, small businesses ever since. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Brett. Thanks so much, Devin. It's great to be here. It's uh, amazing how you can capture uh, a whole lifetime in, in a few seconds. And it doesn't feel like it adds up to much, but no, I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, condense everybody's uh, life into just uh, a few uh, a few sentences. So, no, but uh, with that, I'm definitely uh, excited to have you on. And uh, why don't we uh, rewind and uh, unpack this uh, or, uh, things a bit? Um, so, tell us a little bit uh, about how your, how your journey got uh, started in uh, high school, liking uh, liking politics. Well, I think it started with my father, who was, who was always uh, sort of into politics and, and current affairs, and, and we would discuss things, whether it's over the dinner table or in car rides to and from uh, sports practices. And, and I remember uh, dating myself a bit, getting dropped off at the library and kind of seeking out uh, different books for an afternoon that were uh, in the politics or, or, or history sort of realm. So it's just always been an interest of mine. And um something even to this day I try and keep up with a bit. Now you start out uh, the journey with uh, being interested in politics and so you go off to the college and uh, get a political science degree and then uh, go off to law school and get a law degree is that right? Yeah that's right I um, you know sort of realized in, in college there were a couple of routes I could take um, and and the law had always been somewhat of an interest to me as well so made the, the commitment to buckle down and um, go get that law degree. And, and even though I don't practice law, it's such a valuable um, tool to have and, and background to have. And I'm, I'm very glad that I, I did go through that. 
now so you or so you went into law school now what was the initial plan of or as you were coming out as far as uh, what you wanted to do or kind of the direction you were going to be headed yeah going into law school i thought i was going to be a trial attorney i really liked the back and forth nature the competitive nature it, it reminded me a little bit of of athletics and sports and um you know there there were certainly elements of litigation i really enjoyed when i first started working out of school in miami uh there were definitely elements though that they don't they don't tell you on TV or they don't uh, <laughs> they don't necessarily warn you about that. That made it probably something I couldn't see myself doing over the long haul. But but again, that it was a great background. I worked for a firm that represented some um, some very large Fortune 500 uh, companies and and kind of got to see the the interplay between, um, you know, that corporate world and, and the legal world and, and different sides of, of, of arguments, whether it was employment, um, environmental, uh, IP, uh, corporate and international. Now Walker, just unpack that a bit. So you, you graduate and then, uh, where did, did you start working for large law firm, small law firm? You or went out and uh, started your own law firm or kind of, it, it was, yeah, uh, it was a, for you? sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it was a, it was a medium sized firm based in Florida, um, with a number of large corporate clients, principally in the, um, maritime industry. So, uh, cruise lines and 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 some other sort of related businesses and um, what was great about it is it was a baptism by fire they um, you know the, the partner who who I worked with uh, most closely who I consider a mentor um, really you know threw me in the deep end and, and let me start handling hearings and depositions and discovery um, right out of the gate which which was great because uh, it just taught you to be organized it taught you to think on your feet taught you to um, to work hard and, and prepare. So it was, it was a great experience. Now, how long did you just stay at that firm or how long did you uh, work for that, uh, that law firm? I was there for uh, three years um, before deciding it was a uh, time to move back to Denver, uh, Colorado, where I'm from to be near to family. Now, what kind of what made you decide to, to make that decision? You know, sometimes it's just, Hey, I'm, worn out uh, want to make a change other times it's hey family has health issues or you're looking to you know to be closer to family just so it's not as long of a travel but kind of what uh, prompts you to to go in that direction um it was probably a little of both so i've i've moved around a bunch over my life i've lived overseas in the uk i've, I've lived in multiple spots growing up and so i'm somebody who's uh comfortable um moving and trying out a new city um you know, South Florida was great, but but at the end of the day, I, I sought out a better quality of life for me and and the, that I that I um, desired to have at one point, and and also to be closer to to my parents and my brother and extended family in this part of the world. Which you know, there's a reason that a lot of people go uh, and leave Colorado when they're younger and, and always seem to find their way back. It's it's a pretty great place to live, much much like uh, much like Salt Lake. Uh, where I've also lived. And, and so the Mountain West is, is always sort of been home. And um, from from values to to the weather to the outdoor lifestyle, it's, it's a place I wanted to be. No, makes uh, makes perfect sense. So now, so you're coming back to to where or where you grew up or where family was. So did you decide, hey, I'll just, you know, continue down the law firm, uh, law firm corporate route litigation route or, or kind of walk us through as, as you're moving uh, back home a bit, uh, what uh, what that looked like? Yeah, the first hurdle was having to take the bar exam again, uh, which was which was interesting after you had already been working and kind of were in your routine, um, having to buckle down and, and study for that uh, that test again. 
Um, but I also viewed it as an opportunity to transition into corporate law. I had um, met some friends that were in corporate. I'd met some friends that were in investment banking. Um, and, and the idea of working with businesses and business owners really appealed to me. Um, sort of a blend of, of litigation where you're, you're helping and dealing with personalities, but also um, maybe a more um, constructive uh, application of the law as opposed to destructive, which lit litigation can sort of feel like. So um, I took that opportunity and, and was fortunate enough to land a, a great position at a, a large regional law firm here in Denver uh, in their corporate practice. Well, sounds like it was a great now. So now you make that jump over, you make that shift now. Was it something where you enjoyed it and loved it? It was a good transition, good move, or it was kind of, hey, this is a bit more of the same or it still doesn't scratch uh, quite the right edge and I want to go different direction or kind of walk us through because, you know, sometimes you switch uh, types of law and you, you you tend to find that you love and enjoy it. And other times, you you know, you you find yourself wanting to go back and other times you're just wanting to leave the practice of law in, 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 or entirely. So walk us through a little bit as, that, as you made that uh, transition, both in location and types of law, how that how that went for you. Yeah, that's that's astute. And your hat that says entrepreneur is, uh, you know, is really what it came down to. I, I realized that it wasn't the law that was the issue with me not really feeling um, that satisfied, but it was more a sense of wanting to, to kind of control my own destiny a little bit more. And uh, I didn't necessarily see the path in, in law to wanting to strike out on my own and try and build build a practice that way. I, I, I really, really enjoyed um, helping these business owners win. Uh, I can remember one of the first deals that I did uh, as a lawyer. Um, the the entrepreneur had had really gone all in. He mortgaged his house twice. He'd been through a lot of personal and and professional um, tribulations, and ultimately sold his business. and And it was a, a generational wealth type situation. And, and he was in tears at the closing table. and uh, I thought that was really cool and and wanted to wanted to find a way to, to, to be involved in that um, sort of soup to nuts as opposed to in the practice of law where you're really only getting in, in, involved sort of at the tail end. So, um, you know, I decided that the time was right to, to leave the practice of law and try and find something in, in mergers and acquisitions and in, in investment banking. So now, so, you know, certainly uh, understand, you know, or finding out, you know, some people get into law and they love it and it, it's just what they thought of. And other times people get into it and say, hey, this isn't for me or not the, the direction I want to go. And so it sounds like as you're saying, hey, OK, this may be not be the, the long term fit for me or not what I want to do. You know, how did you make that shift or that transition from, hey, maybe it's not the, the practice of law. How did you go to get into mergers or acquisitions or kind of how did you make that shift? Yeah, and this is, um, you know, again, going back to my father, who who always stressed the value of, of a network and, and your reputation and trying to give to others before you expect to receive. And um, I, I was fortunate in that I had um, some good friends who were in the business and made an introduction uh, to me to a, a small investment bank here in Denver. Uh, where I where I had the pleasure of going to work for my second real mentor in life, um, and and he he really taught me the business. It was an, an entrepreneurial small firm where again uh, I got thrown in the deep end and was able to learn a lot and um, help start a a corporate finance practice where we were raising capital for early stage private companies and startups as well as um, some small mergers and acquisitions work and. 
and, and had it not been for the, the, the opportunity that he gave me, it would have been a really difficult business to crack into because um, I didn't have, you know, sort of the typical background uh, in finance or in, in an MBA. I hadn't worked at Goldman Sachs or a large investment bank. So it was um, it was fortuitous. Uh, I worked hard for sure, but but I was able to uh, take advantage of, of, you know, a good network and, and you know, both friends that were gracious enough to introduce me to some people. Oh, that sounds awesome. So now you so you make that transition, you make that uh, shift now, you know, as you've uh, or have that uh, network of people and that how did uh, how did things go? Did you jump over and you just loved it and enjoyed it? And it was a great thing. And you, it took off and uh, money rained down from the skies and, um, you know, more, uh, more to more money than you knew what to do with? Or was it a, a slow build or a slow growth or somewhere in the middle or kind of walk us through how that uh, that went for you? Yeah, it was a it was a slow build. Um, you know, I had to learn how to win new clients uh, and how to get these deals closed. And they're not easy, as you know, um, whether you're trying to raise two million bucks for a startup or whether you're trying to to sell a hundred million dollar business. Um, you know, these deals can die three times before they they close and and had to learn that. Um, and, you know, my, my time at, at this firm sort of coincided with the, the founder, um, you know, getting basically to a point of being ready to retire and, and sort of downshift. And um, I had met my now two partners, um, Bobby and Andrew, um, while working at this old firm. And, and we decided that that there was no time like the present to launch our own thing. And, and that's really what changed my life, uh, certainly professionally, but even personally was was um, taking the leap of faith to going out and, and starting my own my own firm. Now you, and so you start the firm now. What or kind of give us an idea? What was the, the time frame, or when did you, did you get the firm started? We started in 2013, so we've just celebrated 10 years in business. Now, so you, over that uh, 10 years, kind of walk us through that evolution. Typically, you know, there's a difference between the first year you get started, or even the first few years, figuring out the marketplace, figuring out your customers, figuring out how to bring people on, how to offer good services, how to differentiate yourself. And then there's the evolution of now formalizing it, growing, bringing people on. So walk us through a little bit of that progression over the, the 10 years. Did it stay pretty status quo or did it evolve or, or how did that uh, play out? Well, I was, I was really blessed to be, um, to be partnering with two people who I love dearly and, and really consider family. And we have a lot of the same shared values and trust and, and complementary skill sets. And we all worked really hard at this. And, and it was definitely, uh, you know, very eat what you kill at the beginning. We took on a lot of um, difficult projects, deals with a little hair on them, some distressed stuff, you know, some early stage um, capital raises, some uh, almost Hail Mary kind of uh, capital raise opportunities. But slowly but surely, we dragged ourselves up market and really understood that our niche was working with these family and founder owned businesses, um, you know, sort of 10 million and up 10 million to a hundred million of revenue where, um, you know, they, they built these great businesses and are looking, uh, for some sort of solution. Um, sometimes that's just taking some chips off the table capital wise. Sometimes that's an outright sale where they're walking away. Sometimes it's somewhere in between where they're looking for some chips off the table, but also a partner to help them, uh, get to the next level. And, and so that's really our, our, our focus. And, and, and the other thing I'll mention is we got um, we got the opportunity to buy a, a broker dealer, which is the, the FINRA and SEC um, entity that allows us, you know, allows folks in the securities business to do what we do. And 
and, and we built a side business that's really become instrumental, um, providing licensing and regulatory services for a bunch of other investment bankers around the country. And the problem that that solved is recurring revenue, right? Because in the deal game, these deals can take six to nine months to close. When they close, it's great. Everyone's celebrating their big fees, but um, there can be some lean times in between them closing. And and this broker-dealer business kicks off some, some steady recurring revenue that allows us to um, have some infrastructure in place and, and, and to really be scrutinous about the deals that we do take on um, because we know we've kind of got that backstop. No, it makes uh, perfect sense. And uh, it sounds like a good evolution. So now, so now with that in mind, uh, catch us up a bit as to uh, where things are at today, you know, kind of how things are, are how things are evolving and where do you see things headed in the next uh, six to 12, to, to 12 months for you guys? Yeah, I mean, the, the M&A market um, is an interesting one in 2021 and, and even first half of 22, we're going gangbusters. We closed a lot of deals. It was a record setting year uh, for us in 20 and 21. Um, the interest rate environment has changed things a little bit. But at the end of the day, there's there's a ton of demand uh, and a lot of capital on the sidelines looking for quality businesses. And so we really specialize in you know identifying with that founder and business mm -hmm. owner because we are ourselves and we know the struggles of, of running and growing a business and and understanding what's important to him or her, not just, hey, what valuation am I going to get if I sell, but what are all the other things that matter? My employees, my legacy, um, you know, how, how does that all look? Um, and then we get hired to go out and create options uh, in the form of e either investors uh, or buyers. And um, I'm really optimistic about the next few years. I think um, you know, small and medium business is the is the engine of the United States. There's a ton of opportunity. Uh, I think there's some demographic um, tailwinds in terms of folks that are hitting retirement years that own small businesses and medium sized businesses that will be looking for a solution because um, mm -hmm. maybe their kids don't want to take over or or there's some other reason that um, that they think a transaction makes sense. So we're really optimistic. Well, sounds like it's a great place to be. A lot of opportunity yet to come and a lot of exciting uh, times for you guys. And so, so now with that, now as we've kind of reached the, the present day of the journey and even hearing a, a bit of where you guys are headed, um, great time to transition to the the two questions I always like to ask at the end of uh, each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Um, so the, the first question I'd like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Um. Taking on a client because the, the size of the deal was attractive and the potential fee was very attractive, but there was not a high level of trust in the entrepreneur. And uh, there were some red flags about his character and um, to, to short circuit uh, a, long, a long story, um, those red flags came to bear late in the process and blew up the transaction. Uh, um, and it was it was a great lesson that, um, you know, if you can't trust and if there's not a lot of alignment personally, uh, deal's not going to close. Uh, make, it makes sense, you know, and that one's sometimes hard yet, but it looks like it's good, <laughs> looks like it lines up, looks like that. Sometimes you get excited or you're will or willing to overlook, you know, some of those red flags. You're willing to, you know, kind of uh, push those aside just because you're excited about the deal and the possibilities and yet, Oftentimes, that's where you, you tend to make the mistakes because you're, you know, you're looking at what it could be rather than, you know, or taking the time to slow down and look what uh, may be there, may, may be in actuality. And so 
definitely an easy mistake to make, but a great one to learn from. Second question now that I like to ask. So now if you're talking to somebody that's uh, just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to indulge and give them two pieces of advice. The, the, the first is um, as annoying and unnecessary as it may seem and as, and, and as, you know, it, it, expensive as it might be, or, or it's money you think you shouldn't need to spend, please get your corporate documents and your IP and all of that stuff buttoned up your partnership agreement, your buy, sell, all of the, all of the corporate stuff, um, really in, in a good place before the business takes off and starts growing because uh, the better you do, the harder it can get to unwind some of those mistakes and or uh, hmm. put the genie back in the box um, in terms of relationships between partners or uh, or family members or, or what have you. Um, but the other one is, is you know, more... Um, esoteric which is sort of give before you get try and do right by people try and do the right thing um try and be generous with your time and and that's in my experience those things tend to come back in spades no i think that that's all some uh, great piece of advice great to take away and, and certainly something to incorporate and take to heart so well now as we uh, do wrap up the episode if people want to reach out to you they want to be a customer they want to be a client they want to be an employee they want to be an investor they want to be your next best friend any or all <laughs> of the above what's the best way to reach out to you contact you find out more Yeah I'm I'm on LinkedIn and active on LinkedIn uh easy to easy to find there or just brett b r e t t at brighthorn b r i t e h o r n dot com Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make a new connection and uh, support a great business. If nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Brett, for uh, coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that listeners are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd uh, love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the show. A couple more things those listeners. Make sure to click share, subscribe. Leave us a review. Helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help along your journey with any patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Brett, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. You too, Devin. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.